Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, let's recap today's Viking scheme. So the Vikings took on the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. The Vikings were riding a three-game winning streak, and the Cowboys had a 2-7 and seven record after losing, I believe, five of their last six games. So none of that seemed to matter, though, on Sunday as the Vikings fell to the Cowboys by a final score of 31-28. to 28. Uh, With the loss, the Vikings are now 4-6, and six, and 538.com gives them a 20% chance now to make the playoffs, um, as is the case after... Each game this season, we are joined once again by the Viking Age, his own staff member, Dustin Baker. Dustin, um, just what are your, your feelings after today's game? Oh, I'm dejected. Um, I had high hopes for this. I wasn't quite as sure as I was when I said they were going to beat the, the Lions a couple weeks ago. And uh, I was dejected because even at halftime, I, I was not spooked. I was like, I've seen this before where they can come out and turn it around, make adjustments. And they did <laughs> until they didn't. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that it's melancholy. Um, but I got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Oh, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, last week, since they won, we started with our likes instead of the dislikes. But this week, since they lost, we're going to start with the dislikes. And uh, if you want to go first, go right ahead. Sure. Um, I've got a handful, as I'm sure you do too. We'll see if they intertwine. Um, What I dislike the most is, so a little context, that uh, Kirk Cousins has had two bad games this year when they were, you know, unforgivably bad against the Colts and the Falcons. And that's the knock on him when he's bad. It seems like he's bad, bad. But other than those games, he is a good quarterback. Um, And what, seems to be a theme of this season because of uh, defense is that Cousins is authoring these fourth quarter touchdown comebacks, so to speak. There was uh, the one against the Titans, I believe, then the, mm-hmm. uh, the one against the Seahawks, and then there mm-hmm. was two um, in this game. And those are going to be overshadowed um, by the way that the defense is not the usual caliber of what Zimmer produces. So the knock is going to be Cousins didn't do it again. And I can agree that it would have been wonderful <clears throat> if we would have stormed back and, you know, Justin Jefferson would have caught that second down pass on the final drive. Um, but I don't like the fact that Cousins is going to be, you know, if you just look back at the season, it'll probably end up seven and nine or eight and eight after what we saw today. 
And then we'll say, oh, that's just vintage Kirk Cousins. That's a Kirk Cousins record. And it won't take into account any of the good performances of his career. This was one of the best games as a Viking he's played, um, aside from that first fumble. Um, And, I mean, the Broncos game last year was marvelous, and he's beat the Lions up a couple times pretty good. But this game, from start to finish, he was on point, and this was not a Dalvin game, although Dalvin was decent. Um, it was a Cousins game, and we found a way to lose to a 2-17. and 17. That's, that's the first one that I got. So your dislike is the dislike of the finger-pointing at Cousins for, well, I, for this yeah, loss. I, I've seen a couple prominent folks already mention that, hint at it, and, and I'm not saying that everybody's blaming Cousins by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact that we're sitting we here... Can, with we f- can just call them out and say PFF. <laughs> yeah. we We're sitting that. here with a 4-6 and six record, and there were three games where Cousins did his job, and we're going to look at the standings tonight and then look back at him the offseason trying to do an autopsy of the season, and we're going to say he can't get it done. And it's wickedly unfair to not, um, you know, take into account what the defense um, has done this year. I mean, it, it got better for about three weeks, and it probably will be better next week. That's what Zimmer does. But I don't know. It's it's. I can see where this is going now. After my hopes were dashed a bit, that we're probably going to be seven and nine, eight and eight, and it'll be like, oh yeah, that's that's what Kirk does. Good luck, have fun with him. And there's no context that uh, can be given to that uh, because people don't have that attention span. Yeah, Kirk Cousins today, he uh, was 22 for 30, threw for 314 yards and three touchdowns. You mentioned he had that uh, that one fumble in the beginning. Um, I don't know if it – it looked, yeah, it looked like a fumble to, to me, um, you know, with the, the replay and everything. But it just um, – you know, it is that that is what it is. The um, thing that the thing that I uh, you've known me for a while now, and I don't make a habit of complaining about officiating. It, mm. It's not that I think it's tacky. Uh, oh, it's just, yeah, I forgot about the helmet to helmet. Yeah, I was going to say the thing that bugs me about that is like there's no justice there whatsoever. It was a blatant helmet to helmet. And I don't understand like the legality of last year when we played the Packers at Lambeau. Um, we had a touchdown reversed on a pass interference review and they called holding, I believe on Dalvin cook. And it was like, uh, while yeah. they, while they were in there, they might as well throw a flag and negate the whole thing altogether. And I, I think, think it because was like, often, I think they called offensive pass interference because they, it was like a pick play and they, yeah, Dalvin got in the way or whatever. But like okay. I think that it's, <laughs> if you're going to review a call, I know that they have strict criteria, and I'm not talking about pointing to the lens of the camera all over the field, but it's it was unjust that the fumble was caused by a helmet-to-helmet hit, but the only thing they could adjudicate was whether or not it was a fumble. Like, it, it, it's not fair. It flat-out doesn't make sense. Um, so that was another thing I disliked. And, like, I, I don't – officiating for me usually evens out. Um, but, yeah, there were some plays, uh, calls this game that, you know, it felt like a twilight zone, and it was one of those games that every good thing that happened, I was checking the bottom of the screen to see if there was a flag, and most of the time there was a flag. That was funny, though, at the end, though, when they're like, oh, there's a flag, but it was Adam Green's shoe. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the one time you're hoping for a flag, it's it's someone's shoe, so that was great. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that, Fox. That's a – ooh, that's that's a – we can talk about the Fox broadcast. Oh, yeah, that later. was – That was a very uh, – that was something, um, but your 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 last point leads to my first dislike, which is the the penalties called on the Vikings. The Vikings had eight penalties today for eighty yards. They made a difference um, in the game, and and like you mentioned, 
with that one that wasn't called, you know, the helmet to helmet on Kirk Cousins. There was the penalty on Harrison Smith where it was yeah. a clean hit and that wasn't, you know, helmet to helmet or defenseless receiver. Um, you know, but then you had other ones like the Chris Boyd illegal formation where, you know, that could have been a great fake punt and could have changed, you know, some momentum. But, you know, he got a little too excited. Yeah, as a as a jolt of an excitement, that was probably the most excited I was that entire game because we, yeah, no we don't no see that we don't see that coming. Yeah, we don't we don't do that a whole lot, and you know we see it around the league at times, and it just feels like it's forbidden that Zimmer would try it, and then he did, and it was money, and it worked, and of course it was negated. <laughs> That's why he doesn't do it. <laughs> um, but then you had, and then then on the punt, you had Chris Boy doing block in the back when he was not even blocking um so that was interesting then you had you know the the chop block by dakota dozier you had a, a bunch of other like picky tack calls and then you know the cowboys don't get those calls on them so you know penalties did factor in but mike zimmer also said after the game that you know what that those penalties weren't the reason why the vikings lost and i always go to that too like you can't you can't blame the refs there's there's they Vikings had six. They ran sixty-one plays. They had sixty-one opportunities to do, you know, different things, and blaming the refs for for a game where you know you can say that maybe for a game like the the NFC Championship where the Saints had that egregious pass interference that wasn't called, you can blame that on the refs. But there wasn't, you know, a single call like that in this game. I think where it like turned the tide. So the penalties really mess with the rhythm um, in the first, mm-hmm. like th- this game, the way that you've watched every single game since Zimmer was coaching beyond, this was a game that the Vikings usually win. Um, the offense was efficient. The defense wasn't very good, um, but this usually just, I can, it's just a feel like if cousins is on, if uh, you know, if they're preventing their big plays on third down, stuff like that, there's a feel in every Vikings game, especially under Zimmer, where, you know, things it's their brand of football. And this was one of those games. That's why I wasn't worried at halftime, but each one of those penalties felt like it just screwed with the the rhythm and the momentum. And, Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought that one up because, uh, and we, we don't usually have to worry about this too much. It, we're not a penalty-laden team, but today it was eye-roll after eye-roll. Would you have been more worried if the Cowboys were able to punch it in right before the half? Yeah, that would have given me... I still wouldn't have been a doomsday thinker, especially when I saw Cousins bring him back in person last year against the Broncos. Of course, I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't have been like, oh, this is... But I had... I was sitting on my couch with my son next to me, my four-year-old kid, and... Mm-hmm. I had I had no fear. I just didn't. I was like, no, this is they're playing. They're showing aptitude. This isn't like the Falcons game where they look like completely irrelevant. Uh, so I had a feeling they would come back and win, and uh, they tried to. And then, um, yeah, on Chris Boyd, um, I forgot about the block in the back. So he had the uh, unfortunate. Well, he had like the hero moment of converting the punt. Uh, mm-hmm. fake punt, and then it was called back because he was too jittery, and then he was the one that dropped the interception, right? That would have mm-hmm. ended the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's going to uh, do some soul-searching this week, and it happens. Uh, I, th- I think he's a good player, but yeah, that and that's another example right there of how this year is different, is you got to think that usually Trey Waynes or Xavier Rhodes hold on to that, and that's ball game. The interception. Yeah, and maybe maybe you know this time next year, Chris Boyd or whoever's there does make that play. It's yeah. just that's just the state of 
the Vikings, pretty much their defense, especially their secondary right now, it's just there's so much inexperience back there that we, we forget, you know, when we get frustrated, just these guys have played, you know, mate, they're in there, what, they, they're what, four, so four and six, so they played 10 games this year. A lot of those guys haven't even played a full 10 games in their entire NFL career. They didn't have a preseason. <laughs> so these guys are just starting to figure it out. And they're in the secondary, which is an incredibly hard position to transition to from, from college to the NFL. So, you know, when, when guys make mistakes like that, I kind of give them a break, but at the same time, I'm just like, ah, oh, you have, you could have made the play. You could have like sealed the game. The game would have been over. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, that one, it, that one it, really, that interception, the other two, you know, you chalk them up to just eye rolls, but that, that dropped interception, that was it. <clears throat> that was ball game. Yeah. And that one, that's when I think I realized that, Ugh, this is they're going to score now after that, and I still had hope they'd come down and kick a field goal and go to overtime, but that didn't work out either. And, and Kendricks almost had one too. He yeah, almost had a game ceiling pick too, but <laughs> yeah. but he he had a great pick in the in the first half where he just dove and got the interception. He's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. The Vikings made a lot of great plays in this game, so it's it sucked to see them lose, but it was at the very least it was it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah. Um, did you have another dislike? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, <laughs> I got a bunch. Well, we've kind of, uh, talked to touched on them now. I don't like the fact that probably it's probably a, this season alone, like, uh, characteristic that us bank stadium is no longer a fortress of, you know, purple pain. Um, you can, whatever road game or whatever home games we have left these next two. And then is it bears? Like it doesn't really matter that we have home field advantage, and I didn't think it would affect us this much. But might be worse. Uh, they're they're one in three, I think. I yeah, think. yeah. It it it's if you ever needed to write some sort of essay or dissertation about home field advantage, then you would use the Vikings uh, in U.S. Bank Stadium as case study material because it's just no longer that big of a deal that they're playing at home, and hopefully you know, we'll have people back next September. Uh, but I hate the fact that teams like the Falcons and Cowboys can walk in there. Don't have any, any um, hindrance from us fans being loud. And it just, it's a completely different feeling. And so from here, from here on out, when it's a Vikings home game, I'm just going to be like, Oh, okay, we'll just see who plays better. Cause uh, it feels like this was a game that we probably in the stadium would have made, you know, an impact. And, so that, that really bugs me, as you can probably tell in the tone of my voice. The other thing, the big <laughs> thing, before I nitpick a little bit, is that this loss makes the margin of error so very razor thin from here on out. If if you're listening and your goal is to make the playoffs and you know hopefully make some noise there based on some momentum, today's was makes everything so razor thin. You talked about the 20%, and you know that's still reasonable, one in five. Um, but now you have to start getting help. You have to have the Cardinals probably nosedive. The Rams got to lose tomorrow night and beyond. And we went from, you know what, at noon today thinking, yeah, we can probably lose two and have a puncher's chance to get into the dance. Um, but now it's like you can lose that one at Tampa and that's it. And then you need help. Uh, I just don't see these guys running the table. Stranger things have happened. Uh, but when you can't beat the two and seven Cowboys, um, you're probably not going to beat the, at that point, Buccaneers will be what 11 and three or some 10 and four or something like that. So I don't like the fact that mathematically we're like one game away from 
playing for pride and consolation. And we might already be there. Some people listening probably think we're already there. Um, but you and I are optimists and we like to hold out hope that, hey, maybe we have another Saints upset like we did last January in that building. But now it's it's you either have to run the table or lose one more game and then hope for you know many tank jobs by the rest of these good playoff teams. Yeah, I would agree that we're 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 optimistic, but I would also say, just speaking for myself, I'm I'm a realist too, so I'm not gonna, you know, think they're gonna run the table, which I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I going into next week against the Panthers, I don't know if they're gonna win that game. The Panthers aren't terrible, you know. Christian yeah. McCaffrey could come back. I mean, Teddy is definitely. If you don't think Teddy Bridgewater is not gonna play when in his return <laughs> to Minnesota, then you're out of your mind. He almost played today. Um, so Teddy will be probably on the field uh, playing against the Vikings. You know, you don't think he's going to want to beat the Vikings next week. And then you go, you got the Jaguars and, and they're, they're not, you know, they're what one and nine or whatever. Yeah. They're a pesky they, one and nine. They, they almost beat they're, the Packers. They're, they're a spoiler one and nine. So that's, that's not a gimme game either. You know, none of these really are, um, especially, Apparently at home, the Vikings are our worst team. You know, you talked about the, the impact of home, you know, home field advantage. You could look and you can look at it from the different point of point of view as well. You know, do the Vikings win in Green Bay if there are fans there? Do they win in Chicago if there are fans there? So I think, yes, the Vikings would uh, be better off at home with fans, but at the same time, I think they they might have been worse off, you know, on the road with fans in Seattle too, as well. Not that that mattered because they lost, but yeah, I think the difference when I talk about our optimism, um, this can shed some light onto you and I's gridiron character is that I would rather finish eight and eight than finish five and eleven. Some people yeah. want that draft pick. They 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 quite frankly, if they could push a button, they'd rather be the the tenth, eleventh, twelfth pick in the draft. Whereas you and I, we want to see four more wins because that's what I like to do for sports is watch my team win. I don't care where the draft pick falls because it's going to fall where it is. And I mean, we got Justin Jefferson, and we didn't have to tank. Uh, so I much mm-hmm. rather would finish eight and eight than you know somebody to press this hypo- hypothetical button that mails it in to get a better draft pick. So. Um, and then eight and eight's not going to be good enough to get in the playoffs. And of course you'll get the stigma that goes along with that. That is just ho-hum. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that I definitely am not uh, out like I was again over after the Falcons game, after the Falcons game, I perceived the team as one that probably wasn't going to do better than five and 11, but I realistically think that they're going to beat the Panthers, beat the Jaguars, beat the lions, probably beat the bears and then lose those two um, to the saints and uh, Buccaneers. Yeah. And the thing, thing with you know okay they're gonna they might finish eight and eight but you know winning does a lot for you know the guys that the Vikings have on their team the young guys that are on that team that that does a lot for for their confidence they can go out there and they they've proven you know eight times during the season that they can you know do what they need to do to get a win you go you finish the season three and 13 you know what kind of hope do you have going into the next year compared to you Finish, finishing eight and eight, you know, you finish eight and eight, then you're, you're like, oh, we got these couple pieces in the summer. We add these guys, you know, now we can challenge for the division, maybe, you know, challenge for that top seed. You're three and 13, you're like, maybe we can make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, like, I always want, you know, the team to, to win as much as possible. Also, it sucks watching your team be three and 13. Like, I yeah, remember, there. yeah, like 
2013, 2011, like every week it's like, why, you know, why am I sitting through this? Why am I watching this? Like, you think the Jets fans are having the time of their life this year watching their team never win? Like, wow, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. But I think if you asked all of them, they'd be like, you know, we'd at least like to see this team be competitive and they aren't. Yeah. So. In the, in the defense, in the subtle defense of the folks that would rather see five and 11 than eight and eight, I know why. Um, and I've, I've looked at this objectively in my writings and then just, uh, you know, studying the numbers because they they are stale of this product, the, the Zimmer cousins Spielman product. And they, they see it as an alternating, you know, odd and even year ordeal. Um, so I, I know that there's temptation to blow it up, but I got to tell you, if you are one that stale this project product, you got to beware. It's, it's not everybody is like the chiefs. Like you think that you're going to be able to snag your quarterback future and that you might, but you might get Ryan leaf and Andy reads damn good coach. And, uh, the when we see a team do it like the the chiefs who got rid of alex smith and tried something new then that becomes the blueprint why don't we do that and i'm here to tell you that it's not that easy and if you're going to get rid of somebody which i don't think we will but if you if you if you had your wish mr listener mrs listener that you're you're sick of this product and you want a new coach new general manager uh, you're playing with fire um, because you might get stuck in doldrums of four and 12 years you pick the wrong guy coach sets you back two years get the wrong quarterback sets you back three or four like ponder and i think it's i think it's smarter to build on something that we know is competent and hope that we, one of these years that everything aligns right now Kirk cousins is playing like he should be the quarterback for the next what is it two three years under contract mm-hmm one of these years that Zimmer defense is going to show up again because he's not just incompetent all of a sudden. And it probably has something to do with when Daniil Hunter gets back and these uh, corners mature. Um, so my vision is, is that hopefully next year, everything lines up. It's the defense. That's good. Kirk is the usual Kirk and, you know, Dalvin's still in his prime. And I, that's what's going to happen um, because that's what makes sense. And, you know, Spielman's not going to arbitrarily blow this up. Um, so I just wanted to say that I know your frustration that sometimes, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, that this is stale, but it doesn't mean that if you make changes that they're going to work. No, I'm, I'm, I can tell you who doesn't think it's stale. It's, and that's the owners of the Vikings. <laughs> um, but this is, we can look at it from this point of view, too. The Vi- This is their third loss by three points or less this season. So those losses go the, the other way and they get wins in those. They're seven and three right now. So, you know, just think about like how close the Vikings are to being seven and three right now. And then, then the narrative is totally different. This team is fighting for the top seed in the entire NFC. Yeah. If that yeah, we haven't even talked about uh, the Packers losing. Yeah. I, and that's what makes this loss so much harder to deal with because they could have made they would have been within two games of first place yeah yeah oh i'm with you on the other so the defensive regression you know temporary regression uh that's upsetting because when we especially in the second half against the packers three weeks ago that looked like we were back or we were getting a lot better and then it was confirmed for the most part against the lions. And then it was reconfirmed against a crappy offense with the bears. So it felt like a trend, but this was a temporary uh, setback where it wasn't absolutely terrible. I mean, they had some big plays and spots, um, but it wasn't what we're accustomed to. And you talked about before we move on to likes, 
yeah, the, the announcing crew was strange. There was in the first quarter, they talked about Steven Nelson blocking a playoff or some guy named Steven Nelson, presumably for the Vikings was a defender on a pass. <laughs> and I knew for damn sure that guy wasn't on the Vikings. So I had to Google, Google it and figure out, well, he, he is not on the Cowboys either. And I, so I have no clue who he was talking about. And then he called Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter. Yep, and, Daniel, and I know Daniel. that one's easy to me- mix up yeah. because his name is spelled Danielle. Uh, so I figured, uh, I just some guy like Jonathan Vilma, who's a defensive guy that's paid to be a broadcaster, would probably want to know one of the top defensive ends name in the league. And yeah, so and he, but he's a 2009 Saint alumni, so I don't expect too much from Mr. Vilma. Yeah, I don't think he should be allowed to call Vikings games. <laughs> just just, just that that alone, just you you being part of that bounty gate, you should you should not be allowed to call yeah. Vikings games. You have that's a you know. What is it? What's it? What's it called? Like a competitive? Uh, I, can't, I can't even think of he it. He should recuse but, himself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He should because because there were times where it sounded like he's just like boasting about the Cowboys like the yeah. entire time, and it's and it's it's like yeah yeah he got excited about you know Adam Thielen's one handed catch and some other plays Justin Jefferson, um, but you know it sounded like the whole time he's like oh man what you know, what a great play by you know, this Cowboys defender and he like, yeah. Um, and then there was a lot of, there's a lot of points where he's, you know, just talking about like back when he played, this is what he did and everything. Or he was like trying to, I felt like he was trying to, you know, ma- I, there's not mansplain, but like football splain to the, the play-by-play guy, like how this works and how, how a certain play or how a certain formation works. And it's like, you're talking like Kenny Albert. He's, he's been doing this for like, 20 30 years i think he knows like what's going on on the field you don't got to like give him a, a blackboard lesson here jonathan vilma but at the same time vilma's new newer to i feel like the booth yeah so maybe cut him some slack but at the same time i just don't like him so yeah. <laughs> um you know that goes into it too i think i tweeted today i'd i'd, I'd have i'd choose booger mcfarland a thousand times out of a thousand over jonathan vilma yeah. in the booth because at least it doesn't sound like Booger has any sort of uh, maybe favoritism towards one team or another. Um, yeah. If you figure out what Booger's saying in the first place. Um, so that was that. Um, as far as dislikes, though, I just wanted to go over the Vikings give up 180 rushing yards today. Yeah. That's the most they've given up all season. Um, a lot of that came on that big run by Tony Pollard where Chris Jones decided he didn't want to make a tackle. Um, so I, I don't know why that happened today. If it was, if it had to do more with the Cowboys and their offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, because Ezekiel Elliott's good. He's, he's top five, five running back. Um, yeah. And they haven't faced a guy like that in the last three weeks. Aaron Jones was out when they played the Packers. Uh, they had to go up against uh, Adrian Peterson when they played the Lions. <laughs> and then with the Bears, uh, I don't even... Patterson, Patterson or Null. Oh, yeah, Cordell Patterson was a running back. So, yeah, so yeah, they they caught a, caught a break these last couple of weeks. Yeah, we might have had some false confidence there. In yeah. Thinking, because Shamar Stevens has a pretty damn good PFF grade for an undersized nose tackle. But when you spell it all out like that, the caliber of running back we've seen over the past three weeks, you'd be hard-pressed to find a worse three combination. <laughs> You know, in a span so, of three weeks. So we got lucky so in those three weeks. Yeah, that's that played a big part in 
today's game because that runs the clock down. You know, it, it, it gets good chunks of yard. It wears your defense down, keeps your defense on the field. So that's something I just feel like it hasn't really been that good all all year. I don't think the run, the run defense has been a particular strength of, of, of the Vikings. No. I feel like their, their past defense has gotten a little better, but the run defense just hasn't really been there all season. Nope, and I think that's with Linval's departure and then Pierce, yeah. Michael Pierce not playing. Yeah. And I think Shamar is doing good for what he is. Um, but yeah, when, when this defensive line gets back, it's going to be a, a game changer, and that's not going to be until next September. So, all right, well, we can move on to some likes. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe lighten this up a little bit. Maybe <laughs> you know, put some smiles on some people's faces. You can go first. Yeah, on the likes. So this is going to be like nitpicking for likes as the last three shows that Adam and I have done have been nitpicking for dislikes. So if you roll your eyes at these, I understand, but these are some things that I like. So first, I have to reiterate that Kirk Cousins, um, he's back to what we brought him here to do, and that is to make big throws, particularly in the fourth quarter, particularly on third down. He's doing all of that. He undeniably had two bad games and those seem to define him in the fan base's eyes. But now all of a sudden his passer rating is up to 102.7 for the season, which uh, I got to wait and see how the rest of the game shake down. That should be back in the top 10 where he lives. So he has turned himself around and got back to the guy who he consistently is. So that's why you don't cut a guy after, you know, five weeks of the season or whatever it was. So I have to reiterate um, that Cousins was brilliant today, but we found a way to squander it, the rest of the team. And a lot of that was the next positive was Thielen. Um, I mean, he's quietly, feels quietly leading the NFL in touchdown receptions. And then they showed that graphic about him outpacing Moss from 2000. And sure, a lot, a lot of Jefferson's zeal as a rookie has uh, freed him up and then vice versa. And I think that's why they're profiting um, so much as individual receivers. Um, but with with Thielen, last week, I thought that was probably the best catch that I've ever seen him make outside of maybe that one, the Minneapolis Miracle game, because it was so clutch. Uh, that Not one, anymore. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then this one, like you, like, you wonder how in the heck did this guy play just special teams for two years? Did he just really make himself that good a receiver or did scouts just completely blow it on him um, because he is so consistent and yeah of course he you know had the fumble last or he had the bobble that led to the Camille Camille Mack interception um, but he's such a force he's so reliable and uh, it's it's great that a we didn't trade him when we were one in five and that at least next year that when we have Jefferson who theoretically should be even better. Um, it's so great to see that Thielen has yet to hit like a age 30 decline or whatnot. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. Thielen is uh, ridiculous this year. Uh, it's uh, not because Stefan Diggs is, is there because that was pretty much the reason for our success in the past, or at least that's what I've been told. Um but yeah, he's he's been great. That catch was ridiculous. He's been a, a weird threat in the red zone. Like I I didn't anticipate him being the the red zone guy for for the Vikings. I feel like that's a uh, Kyle Rudolph's maybe territory. Yeah, and that's, that's usually any tight end's territory is you know the red zone within the ten yard line. But it seems like Thielen he's he's doing that. I feel like uh, Devontae Adams. That's sort of a strength of his. 
as well. When they get close to the goal line, that's when he usually gets the ball. Um, so I think it's, it's because Thielen isn't really labeled. Thielen isn't really labeled as a jump ball artist, even though right. he really shouldn't be considered. You know, lack thereof. Um, I can think of why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you you said like did they did they uh, you know not do a bad job of recruiting or did he like grow in this receiver? I think it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. you know he he probably had more talent than people thought, and then you know being maybe discounted or, or you know counted out that that motivated him to to get even better and and just become the receiver that he is today. I recall. Playing with someone like Diggs probably just pushes them even farther than that because those two always wanted to get the the best out of each other. I remember after 2016 and he came on, um, I remember thinking that he was probably just going to be like a one-hit wonder type of thing. Like we've seen dudes like that. Like remember Mike Fury for the Lions? Like uh, he was... (sighs) Wow, yeah, there's dudes. There's dudes every now and then. Doesn't happen very often. Um, they, They show up for a year and they're good, and then you never – receivers, and you never really hear about them again. I honestly thought that's what Thielen would be. I mean, I can't believe I'm putting that on the record here. Um, <laughs> I just – I didn't – you know, I was like, there's no way that he's going to remain this good. He's going to get figured out because you can't have this rags-to-riches story and consistently be this good, and it just kept happening. And, I mean, I quickly – you know, when 2017 was going on, I realized, well, no, he's he's the real deal. And then even, like, uh, the, the way that he's catching the balls, so, like, this one – um, in the corner of the end zone, like the, it didn't feel like there was any good reason that he wouldn't like cra- uh, grasp it with two hands after he brought it with one. It was almost like he had so much confidence in his ability that you would think as a matter of instinct or habit that you'd want to put your second hand on it when you're coming down. But it's like he knows his body and his hand that it's second nature that, yeah, if I get one hand on it, I'm good. And the same thing last week against the Bears uh, when he caught the one hand. It was like he just did a complimentary flip to it like while it was in his hand. Like, yeah. by the way, I can do this too. And <laughs> you have to be supremely comfortable in your skill set to pull stuff off like that because for ordinary receivers, that would get you out of the league if you're trying that one, one-handed stuff. Because um, it looks like showboating, but it's not. It's just like unreal ability um is it fair to put him at this point in his career you know in the same category as someone like a chris carter or a randy moss has he reached that level not necessarily on the entire nfl stage but at least in from a vikings fan fan point of view like is he in that category now oh boy i think in game like in this stretch of season so since 2016 i have he's in the ring he's in the ring of honor oh yeah yeah i have a comfort level with him akin to what i had definitely um with the ones you mentioned like in, in jake reed uh but he because he got a late start um he probably needs to do this to be in the same conversations he probably needs to do exactly what he's doing for about three more years, which he probably will um, because his game isn't built on speed, even though he's pretty damn fast. He's going to be able to stay in the league for as long as he wants if he can keep catching the ball like that. So, boy, I can't right now say like, oh, yeah, it goes Moss, then Carter, then Thielen, um, but it's not far away. I just need a little bit more sample size. But as, as I'm watching those games and I watch the games with Carter and Moss, I have a identical comfort level to say like the ball is going to be caught. So in that fairness, yes, but to, I mean, he just got a late start. And I think to 
be deserving, um, you know, as a kudos to Carter and Moss, he needs about two or three more seasons of this, you know, 1,200 yards, and usually it's six, seven touchdowns, but now it's, what is it, 12 or whatever it is? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. Um, and we touched on it earlier, uh, but one of my likes is just, just that diving pick, uh, by Eric Kendricks. Yeah, he's, I have that he's too. having another great season. He was an all pro, um, last season. And then and I, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't be one this year. I think he's playing even better than he was last year. Um, he's still playing great in coverage, you know, just, he's just, he's just great. He makes Great tackles. I think he's leading the Vikings in tackles again. Uh, this year he's led every year he's been on the team. So Eric Hendricks just keeps on keeping on, and it sucks that he's stuck in that defense that just isn't very good. It sucks that like a player like him can't just transform an entire defense. That's why, you know, the NFL is just – it's such a team game. You need so many guys on, on, on the same page, which comes back to, you know, tanking for – a single player, yeah. a draft pick, unless it's like, I, I don't even, yeah, no, it's not. I was going to say, unless it's like a quarterback, but not, not even that just cause you need just so many different elements to have a championship team. And, and, um, the Vikings don't have that right now. Um, but yeah, Eric Hendricks, he's, he's some, somebody that I look forward to watching every week. And I got a little scared. What was it last week when he yeah. went down with that little, uh, whatever whatever happened um yeah. so that was exciting yep. and then and then another linebacker one one thing just eric eric wilson getting that uh with that block extra point in the beginning there yeah uh i think on the kendrick's interception that's that's an example so the plays that he that play in particular and then like last week with hitman when he uh had that like over the back um pass defended against Allen robinson those oh, yeah. are those are examples of plays that would almost be like gravy to a regular Zimmer defense or expected. But now those are plays that are keeping us afloat. Like if we didn't have those, my God, then what? And normally those are standard operating procedure for a Zimmer defense. Although they're remarkable, you're just like, Oh yeah, there's Kendrick's a sweet interception. But now it's like, Oh, we got a little bit of hope because Kendrick's did that. And it, and that's what playmakers do, and that's why it's so vital that you know he, he bounced right back up from that last week against the the Bears. Um, but it's just going to take time to see the growth from Gladney and Dantzler, um, and those those dudes, and just the lack of pressure up front. I think we end up with one or two sacks. Um, that was another thing that is so different about a Zimmer defense is that that pandemonium that usually is generated by Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, um, and you know we thought was going to be with unique and Gonkwe. It's, it's sad that um, a secondary that's maturing on the fly has to deal with a lack of pass rush on top of it. Um, because n- normally Daniel Hunter should be in on several of those pressures and their job's a lot easier. Yeah. So I forgot about how there was a pretty much a lack of a pass rush today. So yeah, the, the Dallas offensive line is good. Even when they're, you know, undermanned, they're, they're a good, still a good offensive line when they need to be. Um, I was going to ask you, what do you, what are your thoughts on on Cam Dancer? Because the Vikings, at least Mike Zimmer, seems to love him. Yeah. Um, I haven't really been impressed by him. I was comfortable with what the Vikings were rolling out with the past three weeks. I feel like with what Chris Boyd and and Jeff Gladney out there most of the time, 
and uh, whoever that Chris Jones out there in the slot or moving Gladney in the slot. Um, and I was happy with that. And then today, Dantzler's starting, and I'm like, <laughs> do, we, do we need to do that? Like, can he just come in? Like, can we rotate him in, get him, get him back into the thing, and you know, see how he does instead of just throwing him back out there? Like, he's he's the top guy when he hasn't really performed like that. Yeah, I think. Well, on that, I saw that when I saw he was in the starting lineup too. I was like, oh, okay. And I, I guess I defer to Zimmer because if he knows anything in the world, it's cornerback yeah. play and uh, secondary. So I think that it will turn out. It probably won't be this year. Um, mm. But but the thing that sets them apart right now is that even though Jeff Gladney is not otherworldly in coverage, he's a tremendous run stopper, and he mm-hmm. like he tackles like a safety. Like I have no doubt. Um, that if Anthony Harris went down, you could probably put Gladney in at safety and the tackling uh, and some of the coverage will still be there. But with Dantzler, I think it's it's more of a work in progress. But um, yeah, I, I certainly, I'm, I don't think that, you know, that was a, a dumb pick or anything, but you would think that he would go maybe with somebody that he would trust a little bit more like uh, Boyd. But I mean, it's, it's weird to end, endorse him after what we saw today <laughs> with some of those unfortunate uh items but what do you is mike hughes going to be back this year I, I guess i haven't studied up on that i don't know i haven't i haven't heard anything uh he's still on injured reserve i believe and it would be um, very sad if he peaked in his very first game on that pick six off jimmy garoppolo right right he in the end of i feel like his whole all the games he played in his first season were were pretty impressive even as like uh he did some punt return stuff and looked yeah. pretty good doing that so yeah it's a it's a shame that his career might be derailed by, by injuries. And that's another uh, first round pick maybe out the door for the Vikings, which, you know, he had Trey Waynes. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, he had Treadwell. He's gone. Uh, yeah. Mike Hughes might be gone. Um, so that'll be something to pay attention to. Um, did you have another like? I have my last one. Yeah. And you touched on it a little bit, but I want to give the context that I enjoyed. So, <laughs> The chop block certainly didn't like that, but on Dakota Dozier that made it first and 16 or something like that. The fact, and there, I think there was one other one that set them back in the, in the drive that those didn't turn out to be drive enders. Most of the time with NFL offense, offenses, especially Zimmer offenses that when you get a 15 yard penalty or a 10 yard penalty, it's like, you know, just run it and then get in a better position to punt. And we did not have that mentality on that Dakota Dozier chop block. I think we picked it up. Was it the next play? Uh, and it just was, you know, moot after. Yeah, it was like it was moot after that. So the fact that there was a couple surprise, surprise penalties that knocked them back into first and 16. And then I think there might have even been a second and something. Um, but yep. the fact that that wasn't a drive ender. And as the first thing I always tell my wife, when we get something like that, even a hold is like, well, you're going to be punting here because we usually don't have the gumption to get out of those second and twenties. It just seems like once those occur, it's like, how can we best punt now? And that's how the, the play calling is. Yeah. My, my last like was actually for someone on the Cowboys and that's CD lamb for that ridiculous oh, yeah. touch that he had in the corner of the end zone where he just like twisted his entire body in the air to make that catch on that terrible throw by Andy Dalton. Um, that kid's good. Um, he, 
he's good. Him and, and Justin Jefferson, they're going to be great receivers in this league. There's a lot of good young receivers. Yeah, and there's going to there's going to be the no, the normal um, maturity and development from other guys. So right now we're seeing right. this Her- Herculean ones out of Lamb and Jefferson, and I guess Claypool um, with all the touchdowns. But we're just seeing like these flashes of like brilliance that's so fast that they're all of a sudden top 20 wide receivers or whatever you would want to call them. And then there's going to be the crop of guys that progress like normal and become awesome. On yeah, So that's so yeah, a like testament. Jerry Judy. Oh God. Yeah. Dallas. When you watch tape on him, I mean, yeah, he's, it's, it's criminal that he's a footnote right now. I mean, I think I tweeted last week that in standalone years, like T Higgins, the world would be going, holy crap, this guy is like Moss. But because there's already Jefferson who's doing this and CeeDee Lamb, it's like what Higgins and Judy are doing are like, oh, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. Um, and regular years, it's like, wow, they nailed that draft. They got Jerry Judy. But uh, I guess the only one that's kind of lagging is Ruggs, and I don't know if that's because the Raiders picked him and that's what Raiders <laughs> do with their first picks. Or I know he was hurt for a while. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be a – a lot of these wide receivers, like even the second rounders, like the normal normally happens that come out of the woodwork and you're like, well, they weren't that great last year. Well, it's in comparison to these guys that are setting the world on fire. Yeah, it's, it's been, been fun to watch. And yeah, like you said, there's probably going to be even more within the next few years. And hopefully just Justin Jefferson, you know, he's, he's leading that, that charge. Um, it's been fun to watch him for sure. Got that, that nice touchdown today. Yeah. Got a bunch of, Perfect throw Good. too. Yeah. Oh, f- really? I didn't know. I didn't know Kirk Cousins was able to do that. Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he had a great game, and then well, well, okay. He had a, he had a great game, not a great last drive because I feel like that that drop pass just deflated the yeah. the rest of the drive, and uh, that was just. Not yeah, because that that puts you at first and ten from probably about your own forty, and then you need to get. And he could have gained. He, look, he was on the run, so he could have gained. You know, yeah, twenty thirty yards on. Yep, the, and you probably needed to get get to, to have a shot with Bailey. You probably needed to get to about the thirty nine or forty. Uh, I think Bailey can. You know, every now and then he can hit one from that fifty five. Um, but yeah, uh, once once he dropped that, especially because. So, what we know about him is being so explosive. He wasn't going to catch it and fall down. It was going to be an extra 12 to 30 yards on top of it. And then it's a completely different drive because you have your timeout and then you can, uh, all you really need to tie the game is one more sweet pass, presumably to a Thielen or Jefferson again, or one of the tight ends. Uh, so yeah, I, I hadn't seen really rookie moments from him. Uh, I think that one of those games and we talked about this Leslie, where he ran the wrong route yeah. And it was a cousin's pick. I think it was the first game or second game. It was the Falcons game. Was it okay? And so there's there's gonna be learning curves and rookie mistakes. And it was just so happened that his real big drop was you know in the game winning or potentially game winning drive. So, but yeah, he shouldn't get much flack for that. Um, he by far has already outplayed any type of uh, uh, criticism that one single drop would get him. Yeah, so today, Dalvin Cook also went over 1,000 yards, um, second time in a row. He's done that. Uh, you know, apparently it's it's okay to pay running back because he's pretty good. Uh, and he had he added, what, another touchdown to his total? Two? One? One? Two? Yep. How many did he have? One he had just one. Right. Okay, so he's got uh, 14 touchdowns this year, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because he had a, a receiving yep. touchdown as well. 
So yeah, he's got 14 yep. touchdowns in 10 games. He's pretty good. Um, yeah. But uh, the Vikings' next two games are against the Panthers, like we mentioned. Next week, that game is noon noon Central uh, on Fox. Hopefully not with Jonathan Vilma calling it. Um, and then the following week, they play at home against the Jaguars. Um, so any, you know, usually give a prediction for the following week. What are your thoughts, you know, just right now on? Yeah. Um, does it? Does it does it change uh, if Teddy's in there? I feel like it would. No, well, yeah, it, it'll make if it's PJ Walker. Um, I mean, he does some of that XFL stuff that's kind of cool. But he has, I, I watched some of him XFL? on Red Zone. There was what's a couple the, blatant what's, overthrows. What's the XFL stuff? PJ what's, Tucker, what was yeah, like the no, presumed I know, I know, MVP is, of the XFL? I know, but what what's XFL stuff? Oh, well, you know, he's like the type of quarterback that when you watch like a movie about football and they have XFL oh, uniforms on, it's like PJ okay. Tucker, who's like the the quarterback, like he's okay. uh, he's got a big arm, but he overthrows and he's mobile and he like has the eye test like this guy's going to be good. But then you start to see yeah. some of his accuracy and you're like, oh, this is why he plays in the XFL. I, thought, I think like, no matter what happened, I thought you were going to say like he threw like behind the back passes or something like that. <laughs> I was like, well. nope. uh, whether it's Teddy or PJ or Will Greer, um, gosh, if you would have asked me right after the game, I probably would have been so downtrodden to say who knows. But I think that they'll, they'll make it interesting for us. So they'll win this one. Then they're going to beat the Jaguars. And then two weeks from today, you and I will be saying, hey, we're six and six. What do you think now? And we'll be right back to where we were last week where, beat, you know, the, the world isn't crumbling. And yeah. Yep, yep, and then that's where we'll be um, because it seems like the there are dueling factions of maturity on the defense, and then you get the good version of Cousins. Is it going to be a Dalvin game? Do we miss extra points? And you never know which one of those departments is going to um, be the culprit to that week. And this this week it was penalties for some reason. And so it, I think we'll win these next two and uh, and then we'll have to just spitball what the hell happens against the the Bucks and where they're at. All right. Well, I mean, cause a lot of a lot of stuff can happen. It it uh, Brady could be hurt, and it could you know you never know. It could things could change markedly. You you never know. That's why that's why they play the games. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook, subscribe to this podcast on the Apple podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts We're on there. Follow Dustin Baker on Twitter at dust Baker, subscribe to his podcast with former Vikings offensive lineman, Brian McKinney. It is the believe in Vikings podcast. So make sure to go check that out. He's got some pretty cool guests on there. It's like Adrian Peterson. No big deal. Um, let's go check that out. But, uh, as always, Dustin, I'm going to ask you to, despite the loss, close out the show with a skull. Even with a loss, I can give you a skull. Skull!